Hey, everybody. Welcome into the BSN Buffs and BSN Rams podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. I'm your host, Henry Chisholm. And I'm your host, Justin Michael. <laughs> but before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about the delicious certified gluten-free breads, bagels, English muffins, and other baked goods that are made right here in Johnstown, Colorado. Canyon Bakehouse's gluten, dairy, nut, and soy-free products make it easy for families to enjoy the taste and texture of fresh bread so everyone can love bread again. Find them at any major grocery store, in the freezer, or fresh bread aisle, or purchase online and visit canyonglutenfree.com to grab a coupon. All right, we're here at a Front Range Media Day. We heard from all the Colorado football schools, and... We should mention we're at Blake Street Tavern. That's Blake why Street you Tavern, hear people hooting and hollering. I'm, I'm working on your introduction, Dre. Oh, okay, He's okay. Just jumping in. <laughs> okay, well, we ruined it. So it's it's me. It's Justin Michael from BSN Rams. I'm Henry from BSN Buffs. I just realized you guys don't know me on the Rams site either. And we have Andre Simone from the BSN office, the analytics That's and right. stats and film football nerd. Yeah, I do a lot of current stuff. Current host of the Nuggets podcast. That's right. Guest host for the week. And uh, yeah, I'm here. Uh, I'm here taking care of the kids. You know, yeah, I was I'm, gonna uh, make an old joke. You play my dad role. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm just beating you to all your punchlines today. You are. Henry. You are. How are you doing, Justin? I'm doing good. Good to be here with you guys. We've had a lot of fun. We got to talk football. Football's in the air. So I mean, there's just football all over this air, and I am so excited about it. <laughs> this, Do you feel it, that football in the air coursing through your veins? It's all I want to be feeling right now. I feel like this is a great opportunity to. Remind everybody that Saturday night at Blake Street Tavern, the BSN Broncos crew is hosting a Broncos preseason game watch party. And if you're a reasonable person, you know that you shouldn't be going to watch preseason football because, I mean, really. It's preseason. Come on. Come on. But you should be here because we'll also be watching the first college football games of the year at Blake Street Tavern, and that's going to be a lot of fun. Justin, can I convince you on the spot to make the drive from Fort Collins on Saturday to watch college football? I may just have to make that drive again. I'm already going to have to do it a couple of times this week. But Perfect. I want to be down with everybody, hang out, watch a little football, yeah. even if it's not real football. No, we're only watching the real football. Only only college football? Yes. That College football is real football it on is. this podcast. It is. Everything else is too polished. and uh, The yeah. NFL is it's special and pretty and all that. But. Yeah. No, this is better. It'll be great. Miami versus Florida and Arizona, Hawaii. Thank you. And those will be going on the same time as the game. I think the watch party starts at 6. The first college football game starts at 5. Giving away Broncos tickets, right? Dre, you're the office guy. That's exactly right. Great. And we'll have Breckenridge Brewery deals all night long. How Just do you feel about Breckenridge Because uh, uh, they're amazing. Which one's your favorite? I'm partial to Strawberry Sky. It's though, just so you good. know. I just tried the Colorado Core, and it's like, like it's a great beer. It's almost a little bit cidery, but it's a little bit too much almost. You know, like the Strawberry Sky is just a beer, and you're like, wait, is there a little strawberry in that too? Mm. And I love that. I uh, if if I ever manage not to have a super heavy meal, I enjoy a vanilla porter, but it just gets oh, too heavy for yes. me after that. It's like a um, beer milkshake almost. Yeah, so love it. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, those are two of my favorites. But I I love the agave wheat too. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, no, that's, that's also good, good stuff. One. Yeah. Justin, do you have any favorites? I'm all about the Breckenridge Avalanche Ale. I'm pretty the simple classic. when it comes yeah, to beer. Okay. So keep it sweet, keep it simple, keep it in my belly. Yeah, damn good beers. Don't want to come back up. 
Um, trying to okay. steal the brand. <laughs> Let's move along now. So we're four minutes in. We should probably start talking about football. Um, we are, like we said, at Front Range Media Day. We are talking to all sorts of different football players and football coaches, and we want to bring you guys kind of like the biggest takeaways. So, Justin, what are the biggest takeaways? <laughs> really, uh, really set me up there. Yeah, no, just biggest takeaways from me today. I think the biggest takeaway, honestly, for me, it's that college football is relevant in this state. Yeah. Contrary to what you know, some of the popular. You know, I'm not even going to get into that. That doesn't matter. Whole, I'm not going to take shots <laughs> all, all at it anyone. Takes is for every football program to bring their head coach and their best player to one bar to convince people that college football matters. Now we know. I mean, honestly, I feel like if you invite people to the Blake Street Tavern for anything, they're going to show up. So true. So true. But the fact so that we true. got to talk with Mike Bobo, Mel Tucker, Troy Calhoun, all these dudes helped a little bit. Greeley was here too, as well as schools, mines. We don't want to. Leave out the smaller schools. But we know none of you are here for that. Well, we're just being polite. Okay, we can be polite. <laughs> um, okay, so I think one of the f- biggest things that we wanted to talk about was Dre was asking a bunch of these guys about the Mel Tucker defense, which is relevant to you Rams people who are listening because we're putting this on both feeds, so you guys are going to get both. And Justin and I are going to do another show at some point next week before the Rocky Mountain Showdown, so you'll hear from both of us again. But... This is good for Buffs fans so that we know what everybody thinks. This is good for Rams fans because you guys are going to see this defense in 10 days. 10 days, man. I can't 10 days. Football season's here. So, Dre, what'd you hear? Yeah, um, for starters, I talked to Troy Calhoun, maybe the best coach here. No disrespect to Tucker Obobo, but his, uh, you know, his uh, his track record speaks for itself and what he's been able to do at Air Force. And I think most... uh, Preseason rankings have them as the highest ranking uh, team in the state as well. But he spoke very highly about Mel Tucker's defense. And it was interesting. All the people we asked about this, whether it was Colin Hill, CSU's quarterback, or, uh, you know, Troy Calhoun, Air Force's um, head coach. I'm, I'm forgetting who else we talked to about this. It'll come to me in a second. But they were all mentioning how they've all gone back and watched that Georgia Dogs defense and how impressive that unit was. And I was talking to Troy Calhoun, so, you know, it's an aggressive 4-3. They ask a lot about from of their linebackers, and he, he said, yes, that's true. They also play really smart on the back end and are asking a lot of those back end guys who need to have a high IQ to kind of, you know, make up for some of the aggression they're asking of that front seven. So I found that interesting. I think Colin Hill had some had some ideas on how to yeah how to stop that. But I mean, you brought up the point that you know the, those Georgia defenses they played really aggressive, and there's a lot more responsibility on the back end. That seems to be pretty common. I feel like with the SEC in general, that's kind of that SEC mindset. We're gonna we're gonna blitz the hell out of the quarterback, and we're gonna put a lot of individual responsibility on these defensive backs to make good plays so you know with a guy like Colin Hill a veteran quarterback they're going to try and get in his face a little bit he's coming off two torn ACLs he knows it he knows they're going to try and get in his face he knows they're going to try and hit him and they're going to try and force him to make some bad decisions he mentioned today that he felt like the offensive line is they're handling pressure well Um, that's definitely been a a point of question I think for CSU throughout fall camp is how is this offensive line going to be able to handle an aggressive defensive front of the CU Buffaloes. Interesting. That's all 
interesting things because we talked about Colin Hill a little bit on the show yesterday. And I gave a brief rundown and then plugged you as a guy who can give us a lot more info about him yeah. as we get closer to Rocky Mountain Showdown. Who is Colin Hill? What's his game like? Colin Hill is... He's like a cartoon character. and what I, I love that. That couldn't have gone any better. I just mean, like, he's so nice, it's almost frustrating. You know what I mean? Because, look... With Steven Montez, obviously a hell of an athlete. When people knock mm-hmm. him, it's more about maturity, decision-making, yep. stuff like that. Colin Hill is a grown man trapped in, like, a 21, 22-year-old's body. He's <laughs> been on campus for, like, five years now because he gray-shirted. He, he is Mike Bobo's philosophies come to life. And, you know, from a media perspective, it's kind of frustrating because we want Colin Hill to give us those money shots. The answer's... That we're all looking for. We want him to take a shot at CU. We want him to, you know, or you know, ex- give us just yeah, like hype up the battle yeah, between him and Steven Montez. But Colin Hill, man, he's a robot. He's he's not going to give it to you. But when when the field when he's on the field, that kid can play, man. He's an NFL quarterback. He's got a great arm. He's got oh. a really good pocket awareness. If you watch his feet, he's good at stepping up, making solid throws. He, he can run the offense. I just think it's a good thing for CSU to finally be in a position where they have an established quarterback because yeah. they really haven't had that since Garrett Grayson. Even Nick Stevens, who was, broke a bunch of records for CSU, mm-hmm. was still basically fighting for his spot every single year. And when you ask Mike about him today, he'll still talk about how smart Nick was, but you know, not that great of an athlete. Yeah, I think that that's interesting to hear because one of the things that we've heard a lot about Steven Montez this offseason is that he really has matured, that he's taken a step forward, he's a leader, he knows how to handle himself, he's just comfortable in those situations. I think the classic Steven Montez moment was when he threw up the frat sign after he scored a touchdown. Sounds like that kind of stuff is gone, but then at the same time, like we're, we're talking to Steven today, and he's saying, you know, I'd love to go back to that diet where I ate frozen pizza all day, and that 15, 20 years from now... Uh, when he's done with his football career, he's going to start eating a lot more frozen pizza. Like, he still is that guy. Like, like, like sure, he's, like, matured. He knows, he knows his role, all that kind of stuff. And he's kind of developed in a football way. There is still some, like, kid in him. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I think that there's a way that that energy can really, like, radiate. Just because no, he's I a agree. lot of fun. Yeah, he's, if, if he's respected by his teammates, that's all that matters, guys. We can sit here... And we can criticize him for being immature all we want. And maybe he is. But honestly, if his teammates respect him and he goes out and he runs that offense, who gives a crap? They're college kids. Right. And I mean, I think the more concerning part of the immaturity with Montez is on the field as far as the decision maker. Yeah. Right. He's, he's a little right. Um, and there. that's where Colin Hill's different. Maybe doesn't have that natural talent that Steven does. But between the years, he's an extension of the coaching staff. And... You know, and you, you're talking about it from almost a quote perspective where he's giving us more of the coach speak and stuff. But that's how he plays. You know, he's kind of that Aaron Murray to compare him to a... We've talked a lot about Georgia today in general because both the head coaches for the two Rams and Buffs programs come from there as coordinators. But Aaron Murray, the former Dogs uh, quarterback, you know, more of a West Coast guy maybe, a little smarter, better decision maker, getting the ball out quickly, being accurate. Now, the thing, though, that Colin needs to work on is there were some concerns by the end. I mean, when he was thrust into the fire last year, where it just didn't look like himself. 
That's accuracy a- waned. He just he looked like a a shade of himself, and I can. I always like him back to when we were at that spring game, like, what, three years ago? Three years ago now, yeah. Where he looked so sharp, and that arm talent really shined, and that accuracy shined. We didn't see that last season. So it'll be interesting to see how healthy his game can progress and be better with a a full, healthy offseason, too. I mean, even Montez mentioned this about Colin Hill. I think when when talking about Colin Hill and last year, we all need to recognize he came back from a torn ACL in about four months, which is absolutely unheard of. He was, he was not ready when he was taking snaps in that showdown last year. He was not ready for that game health-wise. I mean, he knew the offense, and that's, and that's why you saw Bobo you know, push him out there when he probably should have sat out all of non-conference last year because, yes, he could move out there technically, take snaps, mm-hmm. but you'd see him and he just he didn't look comfortable as He's throwing the ball, you know, two seconds in. His feet look all over the place. But with that offensive line CSU had last year, honestly, I'd probably be running around too because they were bad. They were really bad. And again, very similar to Montez in that he didn't have the line and he he would run away. He would get happy feet. And even when there was no rush, he'd panic because he just assumed that you there would be. start hearing ghosts, yeah. Exactly. And so, and so you get to that point where that internal clock just speeds way up and then also makes you think, like, the internal clock doesn't mean, like, oh, I should probably get this out. It means this needs to be out right now or it's over. And that's where Montez was, and he looked a little panicked. And we've heard better things about CU's line, too, so maybe he does get more of an opportunity. If they're actually going to be throwing the ball downfield as much as it sounds like the Buffs will this season... They'll need an offensive line. He needs some protection. To, he'll have time for those like five, seven step drops so that he can push the ball down the field. Yeah, so maybe uh, to summarize, what we learned is that Georgia defense was damn good, but they also need to be smart on the back end. Yep. We learned that both the quarterbacks kind of found a new level of comfort for Colin, maturity for Steven. And that both the O-lines play a huge role in this. That's going to be a big test for them because that CSU line is no joke now. That CU front seven has a lot of talent on it. So both those O-lines are going to be tested out the gate. And that's going to be a huge test and kind of a tone setter for the rest of the season. I really felt like those were kind of the overarching themes. Aside from what Justin said in his classic coach speak, that uh, college football is relevant again. I think, I think that those are the key points. One more point about the Mel Tucker defense. Uh, Mike Bobo was saying that when Tyson Summers was on his staff, he, uh, he was running a different defense. It wasn't until Tyson Summers left to go to Georgia, work with Mel Tucker, all that kind of stuff, that he learned this defense. So Bobo really doesn't think he has any insight into what the Buffs are going to do defensively because he worked with Tyson Summers, which I think is relevant going into this game. Well, it's definitely, I mean, if he basically, it's like going against any other defensive coordinator at that point. Yes, right. he worked at CSU under Bobo. Yes, they worked together, Bobo and Summers at Georgia before. But, you know, how much is that really going to matter? Maybe you can say Bobo is going to, if you know a guy, you know his personality a little bit, you might be able to guess, you know, like, this seems like a situation where he's going to bring some pressure historically. That's what he would have done with me a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So, Maybe that there's some value in that, but like Henry says, really not a whole lot to be learned from that given that Summers is running a different defense. 
Yeah, and uh, Montez was talking about how they're not overly aggressive on defense, the Rams, and how, how, he, how he plans to kind of – they've got some – some plans to attack that, which I thought was interesting. That was an interesting comment to me as well. Um, I think last year that definitely was the case, given the roster CSU had defensively. Um, this year, I would be a little surprised if CSU doesn't try and bring the pressure, because to me that seems to be the recipe for success against Absolutely. Montez, getting his face. If you Like Henry said, he'll run around, right. try and get him hearing ghosts a little bit. Maybe he throws the football up. With CSU's defensive line this year probably being the best that it's been in, gosh, a decade maybe, Yeah, yeah. I'd be pretty shocked if they don't bring a lot of pressure. Yeah, you'd think so, though. Again, that D-line's so strong, you might just want to try and see what the front four can do without adding any defenders to the mix. Exactly. Well, I thought this got me thinking when you were talking about uh, Summers' defense and how he learned that was that Troy Calhoun was telling me in the offseason to prepare for that CU game they've got coming up. What is it, week three, right? Yep. That they haven't just gone back to watch Georgia. They've gone back to watch Alabama. They've gone back, like, Tressel's defenses at Ohio State. I mean, they've, they've done research extensively to kind of prepare for Mel Tucker, and he just spoke so highly about what they do defensively, how smart and well-prepared those defenses are um and you know just the pedigree and how his defenses have always been top notch throughout his career which i know is very encouraging for cu fans because if that defense can get to being a top five defense in the pac-12 now we're cooking with something if that o-line can improve and montez can his iq and decision making can be improved and you know i mean the the talking about the pedigree of mel tucker's defense is nothing new that's kind of the theme around tucker but i thought it was interesting from troy calhoun and how they've gone back so much and just emphasizing how much you got to study how well prepared they are and how both you know the front seven plays really well and the back seven has super well coached up super smart super reliable yeah, and I haven't talked to Mel about that Troy Calhoun option offense they run at Air Force, but I have heard that they <laughs> that they uh, they're already game planning and they've been game planning. They've been spending time in practice figuring out how to stop it. To. You have it, to. It is something that you have to focus on all season. And it's not. and it makes you wonder like, why would you schedule a team that you have to spend that much time on? Like, doesn't that take away from all the other things that you want to be doing in practice? No, it's a good point. You know, why, especially given that you already had the game against CSU on the schedule this year, now you're throwing in arguably a tougher game. This is, I think Air Force has more experience, but more than anything, it's just that offense. CSU has to go against it every single year. They still can't stop the freaking option. I mean, Uh, how many times do you got to see it? It It takes a ton of discipline. It takes linebackers and defensive ends to not be selfish. And to be honest, I think in this generation of college football, that's a little <laughs> bit difficult to do it sometimes. Tell a guy, you know, you got, when you're going against something like the option, you're going to have guys in the center of your defensive line who are not going to get to touch anyone the entire game. But they have to stay in the right lane because if you don't, it's going for 12 to 15 yards a pop. And that's what's so scary for these buffs because they don't have experience against Air Force. They haven't seen this offense and they're really young. Yeah, they're really young. I tried to bait Troy Calhoun and saying, you know, Tucker's prepared for a triple option offense in playing against Georgia, Georgia Tech, Tech with yeah. the dogs. So this is something you and I have talked privately about, uh, Henry. And he was saying, you know, 
is there any wrinkles you can throw at him to throw him off or what have you? Uh, but he was saying, you know, I think there's enough differences there where we're not too worried. And, I mean, his that offense is – it can be more complex than meets the eyes. And the linebackers need to play fast and decisive and be, you know, assignment sound. And, like, you are making a great point, Justin. Those D linemen needs to stay so disciplined. One bad play could completely change everything when you, you try to be overly aggressive and go for it and you get burned instantly. It's just a different type of, type of football than any of these guys have played on this defense. There's just so much eye candy with this Air Force offense. You're going to have yeah. tight ends that are going to motion seemingly three times, and it really doesn't do anything other than I made the safety look over here a couple times, and then all of a sudden Air Force runs the opposite way. It's, it's infuriating as an opposing defense when you're having to go up against something like this. I remember a couple of years ago I was talking to Marty English, who is a longtime defensive coordinator, was at CSU for a long time, worked at Wyoming, Northern Colorado. Marty's been everywhere. Marty knows everything except how to stop the option, that is. <laughs> um, it's, it's just so difficult. And I got a question for you, Henry. From, from the bus perspective, what would be more devastating to CU's season? Would it be losing the Rocky Mountain Showdown? Or would it be losing at home to Air Force? I think it has to be the Rocky Mountain Showdown. That's tough, though, because when we look through the schedule, I mean, the Buffs are right now uh, scheduled to play six top 25 teams. That's pretty tough. Like I saw one thing that said they were top five toughest schedule yeah. in the country based on preseason. It's, it's brutally difficult. And so, honestly, if they lose either of those games, they're going to have trouble making a bowl game. And that's six ranks teams and another three that got votes. Three more that got From votes. From the AP ranks that just 45, came 46, 47, something like that. Yeah, I mean, who knows what those rankings mean, any of that kind of, of stuff. Course, but right. as of right now, those are both must-win games. You can't be dropping these to anybody, you know? Like, you have to take advantage of these opportunities against teams like Colorado State and Air Force. I mean, Nebraska's ranked, but you kind of got to get that one. This schedule's really tough. It's just it's it's a it's a brutal non-conference schedule. I think on the outside looking in, if you didn't know these programs, you look at it and it's like, eh, I mean, yeah, they're D1 teams, but it's not that hard. But the in-state factor matters to me. Yes, the CSUCU is always going to be hyped. You're always going to have that. But don't think that Air Force doesn't want to beat CU. Don't think Air Force. I mean, they haven't played in what six years. Yeah. I mean, Air Force, Air Force feels like they get overshadowed by CSU even. So, mm-hmm. you know, for them, a victory over Boulder would be huge. It would be one of the biggest moments of the season for them. Yeah, and uh, just, just to, like, finish off this conversation, they end the season, the Buffs end the season at Oregon, at Washington State, home against USC, at UCLA, home against Stanford, home against Washington, at Utah. That's a brutal stretch. They could go 0-6 in that stretch. They can't afford to be dropping these early games. I think both would be devastating, but the fact that Colorado State is the rival that they've had for so long, it's the first game of the season. Yeah, it, it's, it's that one for sure. We'll save this for the next segment, but I got a feeling, as much as we tried, that rivalry game might not mean as much to these players and coaches as it does to the fan base. And we can use that as a, a springboard for segment number two. It's time to take a second and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer, established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. 
You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale. But they just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that you guys are going to love. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they're calling this a light-hearted Kolsch ale, but for those of you who have no idea what that means, this is that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer, and make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com. You'll be able to see all of the events we have planned, and we'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them, so RSVP and have a good time. Hey guys, it's Allie and Lindsay here, and we want to talk to you about our new favorite wine subscription. It is Winester. The best thing about Winester is that they work with small wineries. You know BSN loves supporting small local businesses, and Winester is just that, supporting real people making real wine. These guys will curate a hand-picked shipment for you from the best small wine producers in the U.S. So my favorite part about Winester is the fact that I don't really know much about wine, and when I go to a liquor store, I tend to gravitate towards the same wine I've always had instead of trying something new. But with Winester, they make the process so easy. That's exactly right, Allie. And from my perspective, you guys, I love wine and have tried so many different types of wine at different price points. And Winester is not only easy, but it is quite literally some of the best wine I've ever tasted, and it makes for an amazing gift. What's also ideal about Winester is that you can pick your shipments based on your schedule. That's right, Allie. So whether you're a casual drinker or you love hosting parties, you can get your shipment based on your lifestyle. So head to their website today, you guys. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R, Winester.com. We've got BSN25 promo code for you, and you can save $25 off your first order. Back in for the second segment of the BSN Buffs and BSN Rams podcast, which is so much fun to say. We need more crossovers. We just need more I'll, crossover episodes. We do. I, like, I wonder if I could get the Nuggets guys on here. Nuggets guy. Yeah, I know. We could do like a Nuggets Buffs crossover just talking about Derek White. I don't Without know. It. I don't know. Hey, I, I, don't know. To, I covered Derek White when he was still at UCCS. Oh, really? Yeah, they came to Fort Collins the, his last year. Huh. There and I just remember watching him in the dunk line and being like, "Wait, why is this UCCS? Yeah, why, why would he ever, ever be in Fort Collins for a game against you? <laughs> no, no. Um, but yeah, just like Andre was saying before the break, this is an interesting rivalry. It's a, it's different because I think one side looks at it much differently than the other side does." You know, th throughout, like, all the media days, Rick George has said, you know, we really don't need to be playing this rivalry. That's the CU uh, athletic director. He says, you know, we have a chance to schedule other bigger-named opponents. We have the media deal coming up in 2024. We want the best possible schedule so that we can sell the Pac-12 at that point. And we've heard a lot of that, and we've heard that it's kind of almost a trap game for CU and that they should be favored. They're the Pac-12 school. But the talent gap isn't wide enough for it to be a lock for a win. They just don't get any credit if they win, and they look pretty bad if they lose. There's definitely more to lose if you're CU. I mean, I think even most logical CSU fans could admit that. If you understand, especially in 2019, if you understand college football and the emphasis of the power conference and what it means, scheduling teams bigger than CSU would make sense if you're CU. But I think one of the factors that often gets overlooked in this is 
college football as a whole, its popularity, it's it's declining, especially with attendance. And the benefit of having a game like CSUCU is you get everyone excited. More importantly, you get the students excited. You get yep. the students at the game. And I think when you take away games like this and you and you sell it up on this national package, the people in Boulder don't care if a bigger school comes to Boulder because the showdown doesn't happen. But you know what they do care about? They care about going to Denver and saying how much it sucks to be a CSU Ram. They care about talking trash and throwing beer at CSU. That actually happened. I see you fan through a beer in my face a couple years ago. If you're listening to this, I still want to punch you in the face. But uh, what, yeah. what do you think about that, man? Would this game, in terms of generating popularity for college football within the state, you know, I'm still kind of new here, so I haven't gone through the full like college football season to see what every game feels like. I've had commenters say that, you know, the tailgating scene at Mile High is the best tailgating scene of the season. Mm. I've heard that I know, Mike Bobo today was just pointing out that it makes sense financially because you aren't paying to charter a plane. You're not paying for all these different things. Right. You're driving an hour. You're playing in front of everybody. And you get to save that money in your budget while also building all that hype, which was a point that I never thought of. Like money is finite. Interesting. I um, I'm all I've always felt like the rivalries it, it brings everyone down, uh, just because you know it's like Alabama didn't become great because they wanted to be Auburn. Alabama became great again because they wanted to be LSU. CU in the 80s and 90s became great because they weren't focused on beating the Rams. They were focused on beating bigger, better opponents who are competing for national titles in Nebraska and Oklahoma. I think ultimately that needs to be the goal. But I think your point about ramping up excitement and interest locally and getting everyone kind of riled up week one of the college football season with that rivalry game is a great point. I, I mean... There's something to really be said for that. This is a state that lives and dies for the Denver Broncos. When yep. it is Broncos season, nothing else matters. When the Rockies are in the playoffs, they get overshadowed by the Broncos. When in the Nuggets three, and yep. start, it doesn't matter. It's a Broncos state. So the ability to get 70-plus thousand fans in one stadium for a college football game, it's really appealing. I just, I think it's big for generating local interest, and I think that's something that just often gets overlooked, especially in the – in the arms race that is college football now and trying to compete on a national scale. I get it. If you're CU, you want to be a national contender. But also, you know, maybe CU needs to take a little bit of a hard look in the mirror and realize that this isn't 1985. <laughs> oh, whoa. those are some fighting words. But, I mean, it's valid. This is not that same program. It's going to take some time to build it up to that point. I guess the question then is whether when you're building up to that point, is these are these rivalries important? Or should they just start scheduling, you know, they have Texas A&M on the schedule. They have Northwestern on the schedule. They have some big names coming up. And they think that the path to get that national recognition, to be one of the elite college football programs, it doesn't start by beating smaller FBS schools and pumping up your wins. It comes from playing against these teams and hoping you pull one or two wins out over the course of a couple of years using those wins to hype up the school to recruits, and then building from there. Personally, I like the schedule CU has put together this year. I think it's a good blueprint for what a lot of D1 teams should follow. Personally, I can't stand when any team at the D1 level plays an FCS team. 
I yeah. think it's ridiculous, and I think you should get punished for it in the rankings. Yep. Um, some people claim that it does, but we all know at the end of the season it doesn't it, end up hurting. No. I follow Alabama. They always play an FCS team with, like, two weeks left in the schedule. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I went to Montana. We play Oregon week two, week three, two or three. That's my point. It's going to be a mess. It's going to be 70 to 10. It's Montana because they need the money. Yep. But if you're a if you're a program like Oregon, that's ridiculous, man. Yeah. You can't tell me that Oregon yeah. can't get on the phone and call Air Force or Northern Colorado. Seriously, even. at the ver- like go. I know, or I guess UNC is FCS technically. It is. It's big but sky it's with Montana. It's a little Montana. bit bigger. Yeah, Montana's <laughs> probably a better team though. I don't know. Yeah, um, we we can go with much better. I, li- I like I'd much say better. Much better. I I did talk to Jacob Knip, who um, I'd love to give you guys more thoughts. Quarterback on that in of Northern Colorado. Three. Yeah, actually, I'm very excited about the Because not everybody's a draft nerd like Dre. I guess that's true. (laughs) The overall talent at quarterback this year in the state is pretty exciting, if you ask me. Um, But I thought, Stephen, you know, you you asked him about the rivalry, Justin, and uh, he said, you know, it's important, yes, but it's important because really it's how we start the season off, and that's that's what matters is getting that 1-0 up. And I think Colin Hill... Answered along the same lines. He, I, I guess, he conceded that look, it'd be great to finally beat these guys. Like it's annoying that Bobo's never beat him yet, that he's never got to beat him yet since he's been there in five years. But again, no one seems to be too too excited. And of course, maybe behind closed doors, they're singing a different tune. But as of now, it seems like yeah, it's a, it's a great rivalry, but we really just want to get a W out the way. I think when with CSU especially, a guy like Colin Hill from Moore, South Carolina, grew up a massive Clemson fan. He understands rivalry and what it means to communities. The the Rocky Mountain Showdown and what it means to the CSU community is not lost on Colin Hill. But at the same time, if you're looking for Colin Hill or Steven Montez to to give us a Bradley Van Pelt type quote where they're basically just gonna trash the other school, it's not gonna happen. The hate I don't think there's a hatred between the players. The The rivalry matters, especially with the in-state kids. There's some kids at CSU. Max McDonald's one of them. He's a redshirt senior linebacker. He grew up in Colorado. He wanted CSU was the school he wanted to play at. Beating CU would mean the absolute world to him. But there's only, you know, two, three, four guys like that on the team anymore. It just it doesn't hold weight with the players like it used to, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I think that that's fair. I think... What's really interesting for CU is that the next week they play Nebraska. And when you read through the hype on, oh, yeah, you got something to say, Justin? I just think it's funny. So, you know, (laughs) we mentioned before about how the rivalry means a little bit more. There's more at stake for CU. Yep. And so a lot of fans also feel like, you know, CSU fans, the rivalry means more to them because it's beating Big Brother. And CU, you know, they have their goals focused elsewhere. Ironically, it's the same deal with CU Nebraska, where CU fans think that Nebraska fans care. Nebraska fans could not care less about CU. I'm sorry. That rivalry does not matter to them. They care about Oklahoma. And so I just think it's kind of interesting that this rivalry has been kind of propped up like it's this big deal again. It's exciting to see two former mm-hmm. Big 12 teams play each other again. But is it like that deep of a rivalry? I don't know. I mean... If you get on Twitter, these people are fighting. But it's, it's the same it's angry. Deal. So it's the same it's deal angry. with CSU. Their fans, CU fans, claim it's not a rivalry. It's a rivalry. 
Yeah, but no, I, I definitely see, see like the big brother, little brother aspect. I mean? yeah. It is that same thing. But I think, I mean, here's it. I was looking just through the ticket prices because I was curious. Um, somebody else did the, the big research, which was that, that Nebraska game, CU Nebraska at Folsom, is the sixth most expensive ticket in college football this season. I believe that because everyone will come from Lincoln. Yeah, the, the retail yeah. value of this game is through the roof, and it's going to be the same deal for that show. The showdown in Fort Collins next year, they're already like talking to season mm-hmm. ticket holders about how that ticket is going to be the most difficult ticket of the season to come across. In CSU, CU, Broncos, it's going to be a hard ticket to get. Yeah, and the the Buffs have been working really hard to keep those tickets out of Nebraska fans' hands, and because what they know yeah, is smart. that they could sell out that game in a week if they just made all those tickets available. So the plan was, hey. Let's just hold on to these, get them into Buffs fans however we can, however we possibly can, and then last minute, if we can't get them all to Buffs fans, dump some out there. So we'll see. I think that there's a good chance that this is a strong Nebraska crowd. I'm thinking, I, oh, who knows? I, I think they could fill a third of it. So I think they could fill a third. I think the greater point we're coming to is do you, you know? You're a little dog to someone. So go after the big dog and raise the level of your program. You know, whatever that takes. And for CSU, beyond beating CU, it should be beating the Boises of the world and, yeah. you know, really competing for Mountain West titles. Um, I wanted to hear what Bobo told you about the rivalry, though, because I think that's a person who's got a bit of a monkey on his back and would like to get it off. He loves the rivalry. He does not think it should go away. He didn't indict anybody saying, like, why did you do this? Any of that kind of stuff. But he's no a fan of it. Rick George. No, no, no. Not no. subtweeting him. <laughs> he made it very clear that he is pro Rocky Mountain Showdown. He wants to get a win. He said, like, it has been in his mind. He didn't lie. Like, he wants this game. Which, I mean, all this stuff just kind of makes sense. The big point was that it saves money. If that's, if that's like, I don't, I don't even know what a budget's like to travel hundred thousand dollars to take a football team more than that million dollars i have no idea i mean you have to think like how much is a chartered flight two ways then hotels you have to bring all your gear with you you have to i I own staffers assistant coaches food wives of ad's and coaches i mean boosters that's a great point so i some folks know this others don't before i got into media i worked i actually worked for csu football as an intern to Tom Ellers, who is the director of football operations. And a lot of the stuff I had to do was just boring paperwork crap. And I would be going over stuff, like looking at a travel budget for a weekend. You'll spend $30,000 in one weekend just on food. Jeez. And so, I mean, imagine what you could do with that money. If you just put that toward your recruiting budget, all of a sudden you're chartering jets to go visit whichever recruits you want. Okay, maybe that's a stretch. But but it is very important. It is very important. And maybe saving the money is worth it. You know, you still build all that hype. There's just, at this point, I think we can say with as many cons as there are for the Rocky Mountain Showdown, as there are plenty of arguments that support why the game should continue and why the rivalry matters. Look, like, CU wants to elevate itself to a new level. I think that's good. As a college football fan in the state of Colorado... The University of Colorado being a top 25 perennial program is good because it raises the standard not only for CU, 
but for CSU and what they need to accomplish. The bar has already been raised for CSU. They got a new stadium. They're committing more money to athletics as yeah. a whole. They have uniforms. They got the swag and all this. The only thing that's not happening is winning, and it's not winning against rivals. And as we all know, if you don't beat your rivals, none of it matters. So true. All right. We're excited now to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. Back in for the final segment of the BSN Buffs slash BSN Rams podcast, the crossover. The first of two crossovers. At least. At least. We'll be doing another next week. We got some fun stuff to do. We'll probably the do something throughout the season, too. Yeah, just might as well. It makes over, sense. We'll just talk college football. We'll talk a lot of college football. You in, Dre? Oh, yeah. I'm all in. I pulled the. We have two mics for the three of us, and I accidentally pulled the mic away from him too fast, so that sounded weird. Yep, yep. All right. So now we want to talk more about the quarterbacks because that's what football is all about. You know how in basketball, like, if you have one player, like you have Michael Jordan, you have LeBron James, you're just going to win? I've, At least more frequently than not. If you have that one guy, like, chances are you're going to be okay. You saying the same goes for quarterback? I think the same goes for quarterback. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I still think it all starts in the trenches. I uh, hate to be uh, about the big uglies. Dad, dad schooling you here, but it's all about the big uglies. But it's harder to find like five competent offensive linemen and four competent defensive linemen. Easier to find one good quarterback. Eh, I mean, numerically speaking, now quarterbacks can be harder to find. I, I just had a blast. I, I uh, was not paying any attention to what Dre was saying because I was holding the mic in front of his face and just kind of like slowly pulling it away from him. And he just kind of slowly leaned in. And I was hoping he wouldn't even notice because he just kind of like followed it. Okay. Uh, back to football, though. Uh, so, football, quarterbacks. Which one's a better pro prospect, Colin Hill or Steven Montez? It's Colin Hill. It's not even a question. Oh, boy. Look, Steven Montez is a phenomenal athlete. If we're talking just sheer athleticism, he is a better athlete than Colin Hill is. But Colin Hill can run an offense better. I trust him more leading my team. And when you watch the guy, there's not a throw on the field that Colin Hill can't make. Steven Montez's athleticism, it's evident. You see it. He's a big dude. He's muscular. Like, I don't need to watch Steven Montez even play football to be able to tell, like, that guy probably runs, you know, a 4-5. Colin Hill, if he was just wearing street clothes would just look like a preacher from the South. You just blend in. But he has some incredible hair. My Colin goodness. might have the best hair in all of college football. He might. I mean, when I was walking over there, the way it like pairs with the beard too. Like like it's I so was it's gonna a, say he has a Mayfield esque oh beard. My that goodness. that beard oh is my on goodness. point. Justin was suggesting more of a bandana look really up his rock star value. Colin seemed into it. Look, I think Colin Hill should wear a black bandana and come out looking straight Boz esque. Yep. Yeah, no, Just really that's perfect. lean into it. That's perfect. Because, I don't know, for those of you who haven't looked at Colin Hill before, 
basically he has um, he's like six foot three, six foot four. Yeah, about six three, six four. Yeah, and so he's like tall guy, muscular, blonde hair down to his shoulders, like with these highlights in it too. So there's like these dark points too. But it's and all natural. Dark, it's exactly. Not, oh yeah, yeah, it's like all natural. It's just like this perfect hair that has like all these different colors. Goes down to his shoulders, and then the dark points just match the color of his beard perfectly. And it's just like this nice, like if you had a razor, you'd put on like two and a half, just like give it a two and a half all the way around. Just such a clean cut, cut looking guy. Very impressed. Got like 30 seconds of actually talking with him, but looked there, good. Th- another reason, I mean, I, I think Colin is a better pro prospect, more sheer between what he for what he does between the tackles. But if you're an agent, I think you'd rather sign Colin Hill as well because of that hair. He's more marketable. Marketability, yeah. The, I mean, the ad opportunities alone for his hair. Colin doesn't even need to play football. He could just be a hair model. Who just signed? Somebody just signed with Head and Shoulders. Now it's Troy Polamalu and somebody else. They brought somebody else in. I want to say another NFL guy. This was like in the last day or it's two. Be, oh, recently it's not Clay Matthews. He was with them for a while too. Uh, I believe it. Okay. Okay, Dre's going to look that up. We're actually going to talk about football and not hair. But um, here, you answer the question. I say Colin Hill is a better quarterback and a better NFL prospect. What do you say? The thing about Steven Montez is that he just has a cannon. He's got a gun. It's undeniable. Like, my goodness. You watch him sling that thing, and it's just all over. And there is a valid question. Like, he could flop because he can't read defenses or because he can't go through his progressions and hit or the third he's guy. he got Totino's hangover. Oh, okay. Okay. That's just an with ad hominem. There we go. <laughs> Pulling out the mean stuff. Except ad him. I don't know what that means. Listen, I'm okay. a Totino's guy. I'm not hating. <laughs> yeah, okay. I but mean, sure. I'm, I'm not, not a quarterback. Totino's. Also true. <laughs> Steven Montez, though, like, if everything goes together, like, I have been just thinking this the entire time, and I haven't wanted to say it, but my God, does he remind me of Paxton Lynch. Just this big athlete. Big, big, big yeah. arm. Like, so many things. But maybe it doesn't do, like, maybe he doesn't flop like Paxton does. Maybe he picks it up because on the inside, he can't be I totally mean, Paxton Lynch. Nobody is, is like big that. for both these guys, putting it all together and yeah. really, you know, taking their games to the next level. Colin Hill, you know, taking those flashes we saw early on, being healthy and putting it all together. Montez being better. I mean, that's something we talked about. I talked about with him was, you know, what what's he worked on? He's trying to stay within the pocket, process information, read defenses. This offense is going to call for him to read out defenses, change assignments some more, which is going to be intriguing. His wide receivers are going to be running more uh, pro-style type routes, which is going to, you know, force him to be better and more pro-ready. So I think in some ways, Steven has the heads up, the the head start. Colin fits that profile more if he can get back to what he was and that IQ can play up to being a fifth-year player, you know? No, yeah. I mean, I didn't didn't eloquently explain myself very well, but when it comes to Colin Hill, Colin Hill runs the offense like a pro right now, and he's done so since he was about 18 years old. It's the reason... He took over for Nick Stevens as a true freshman. And honestly, had he not torn his ACL that season against University of Wyoming, he's that it's his job and he's never looking back. And at this point, we're probably talking about Colin Hill going to the NFL after this year instead. Um, but, you know, he's, he's got a lot to prove. He's torn his ACL twice. He didn't look good at times last year. He didn't look like the same guy. We talked about earlier how it's hard to be that guy when you're not comfortable behind a poor offensive line 
your internal clock just get, goes haywire. But this is going to be a, you know, a make or break year for Colin Hill. He's got two years of eligibility left, but this is kind of the show me year for Colin Hill. Yeah. And Steven Montez to an extent. I mean, it's his, totally. it's his last Totally. I mean, campaign. and that's, that's the thing is like they each have a full season to prove what they are. It's just a weird c- conversation at this point because we haven't seen it yet. We don't know which one of these two will show that they that their weaknesses aren't fatal, you know, that they yeah, can get yeah. past them. And Montez doesn't need to do much. What I am excited about with him is that he finally has a chance to make pro throws. Mm. Because in the past, it was kind of just, we're either throwing it behind the line of scrimmage or we're throwing Dunk bombs downfield. Down like, yeah, exactly. The, there, yeah. there isn't much else. And the couple of times where he was asked to like go through a progression, stand strong in the pocket, he didn't look great. He didn't look great doing it. But that's because it was kind of new to him. It wasn't something that was a big part of what he was asked to do. Now that it is, we could see that it's because he just didn't have the reps that he didn't look good. And when you're building an entire offense around those pro-style throws, that by the end of the season, he can figure out how to run that offense and look like a real pro quarterback. That's a good point. I mean, I've been definitely harsh on Montez for his decision making, but as you you know you pointed I out, I think a lot of people have. No, yeah, and I think a lot of it's been fair because Absolutely. there have been games that were winnable that CU was not able to win, and Montez had a you know a second half late interception yeah. that kind of sealed the deal. I don't think he was necessarily. I'm not trying to imply that Steven Montez is the reason CU lost seven straight games last year, but he didn't exactly elevate them either. Right. I mean, he's. I've always said it. He's a great first read quarterback, and after, if that first read isn't there, he struggled to you know go off his secondary reads and have that same kind of impact. You know, another candidate for this race of who's the best quarterback prospect in the state would be UNC Greeley's Jacob Knipp, who I had a chance to talk about. They're going to be in a different different offense. Last year it was more pro style. He had a guy like Alex Wesley who was at the Senior Bowl. Um, got picked up as an undrafted free agent, an absolute blazer, so was able to put those vertical shots on film. Now it's going to be more up-tempo, more fast-paced. He's going to have to show off that accuracy, get guys into space, lead them properly so they can go off and do their thing. I know he's already on the Senior Bowl watch, so he's another intriguing guy. 6'4", prototypical frame like all these other guys. And don't, you know, I feel like Air Force has more options than they've had in years past that quarterback, too. So it's an exciting year behind center for college football in Colorado, that's for sure. And with Jacob Nib, especially, people forget he was the starter before he got hurt, before Wesley. That was his starting job. He would have been their starting quarterback last year, and Wesley was able to take advantage, so good for him. Going to be a big year for him. He's a local kid, played at Ralston Valley High School in Arvada. I got to see him a little bit during his prep career. Um, actually, my current roommate is his former teammate. Um, so I might actually have to get over to Greeley a couple times, check it out, see, see how he looks. He looks the part. Looking at him, he looks like a quarterback. And what I mean by that is he looks like Henry. He's got yeah. the perfect crew cut. Perfect. He's uh, five foot eight. Pushing 155 pounds. Yeah, no. Uh, actually, <laughs> he's uh, he's blonde and beautiful, like these two kids I'm sitting next to right now. That's uh, the uh, old man. He, and he doesn't just look the part, but he's uh, and he talks the part. He sounded the part. It was very impressive to sit down and talk to him about the offensive changes 
and all that. So I had to throw in some draft perspectives, and I appreciate you guys indulging me. It's going to be uh, – this gets me excited. By the way, I think you're thinking of Patrick Mahomes on the Head & Shoulder commercials. Oh, yes, it was Patrick and, Mahomes. Um, well, see, that's why it took so long for me to think of it. Because when I think Mahomes, I don't think hair. I mean, he's right. hair's Well, fine, he's got that weird hair. You're right. The voice is what's marketable. I was almost going to do a Mahomes impression, Beckham but I don't Ju- think I can. <laughs> Beckham Jr., of course, was doing them before Mahomes, so there you go. Which was a much better choice. I mean, sure, he's, like, crazy and not as good. I mean, like, really good, but, like, we're talking number one player against, like, number ten player, you know? But still, much, much better hair. Significantly better. I wish I had that hair. <laughs> ah, okay. I think that that's about all we can get to today. But before we go, it's week zero. We are two days away. We are 53 hours away nice from path. college football. I have totally made it up. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not right. Um, it's actually like 50 hours. But it doesn't matter. It's it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll move along. Yeah, we could have gone with it. Thanks. Um, we want to make our picks for the week zero games. The first one, 5 o'clock, which I will be at Blake Street Tavern for, and you guys better be too. So is Justin. He's, he's now just locked into that because I threw him into it. Um, choice. Dre, are you going to be here? Obligated. Oh, you know I'll be here. I'll be here prior doing a fantasy draft that I think it's too long, too late to join. But you could could get here. You find another few people like uh, Henry who's looking really disappointed right now. And you start a league right there. It's so easy to do. Right on the fly. I forgot to pull the mic away from Dre while he was talking that time. It was <laughs> kind of disappointing. But, but yeah, I bet I could find somebody who wants to play fantasy football with me. Picks, though. And then we'll get out of here. First game, 5 o'clock, our time, not in Florida. No, the only time that matters, mountain time. Yeah, our time, mountain time. This is too long. We need to move along. Uh, Miami plays Florida. Who you got, Justin? Look, Miami is one of those teams where whenever they get just, like, a little bit of momentum, I'm talking, like, they scored two touchdowns in the first half. They're one of those schools where the whole country goes nuts, acting like Miami is back. Texas is another good example Mm -hmm. of a school where it's the same case. Like, they sign a couple of top kids, and all of a sudden they're top 20 or top 10 in the preseason rankings for no apparent reason. But this Florida team's got a ton of athletes, and they're going to be a lot to handle for Miami. First-year head coach Manny Diaz was going to go to Temple, ended up staying after Mark Rick stepped down. That had to be that. I mean, the fact that he did that after the early signing period was, I mean, I could do a whole podcast on that. It pissed me off. I think it's really pathetic to sign an entire class of kids and then walk away knowing damn well that's what you were going to do the whole time. Uh, But I'm going the Gators. Long-winded answer. I'm going the Gators. What about you, Dre? Gators are seven-point favorites. Really talented on defense. Not a believer in their quarterback, Felipe Franks. How could you be? But then again, you know, this is what happened. And this is great example for Colin Hill and Montez. They can look so bad until all of a sudden something clicks and boom. It's like, oh, amazing. As a senior, everything came together. We saw it with Sefo Lufau. There were plenty of people at CU who were ready to bench Sefo, and then he gave them the greatest season the Buffs have had. Right, absolutely, absolutely, because Steven looked so good in that Oregon game. People were ready to, um, you know, to to bench Sefo, but uh, Sefo had that great season. So Felipe Franks could have that ter- type of turnaround. The big question is going to be that Manny Diaz defense against an O line for the Gators. That's really it's it's rebuilding right now. It could look ugly. 
But you know what? They have some talented backs there. I'm going with the Gators. I like what Dan Mullins is building there. I think the Gators are going to pull this one out. You guys are forgetting about something very important. Oh, no. The turnover chain. The turnover chain. Which Miami has and Florida does not. That's a good point. I'm going Miami. Counterpoint, CSU had a turnover belt last year, like a WWE belt. Didn't help them win a whole yeah, lot of because games. because you guys are like all ranchers or whatever <laughs> up there. Not a chain. It's a belt up there. Okay, but yeah, Miami has a turnover belt. Or turnover chain. Ah, no, not a belt. Miami has a turnover chain. That's like the attitude of this defense. They're going to come out hot. They're going to win. This is a team that has Tate Martell on the bench. If that's your backup quarterback, you're in a great spot. This is my analysis. Or what, is it, or what do we say about Miami. Tate, who is now at what? His third. He committed. He verbally committed to like three places, went to Ohio State, left, didn't show up to practice the day after he wasn't named starting quarterback in Miami. I'll take my chances with the Gators. He's their number two. <laughs> Talented. Okay, moving along. All now. right, moving on. Uh, to Arizona, Hawaii. I in think Hawaii. We, in Hawaii, which, which, is which, which is important. I think we might be on the same page here. Yeah. Look, it's a tough place. The island is a tough place to win. If you're yeah. CU found that out a couple of years ago the hard way. Um, I hate to bring that up. I know that's a tough memory for so many <laughs> folks. <laughs> I mean, but, uh, not that the Rams were all that much better. Against, they didn't lose to Hawaii, though. Hawaii That's all I'm year, saying. You know. Didn't lose to <laughs> last year. They did lose to Hawaii. Yeah, last year, from what I remember, <laughs> it was a little ugly. At but points. no, but that's a good point. The reason they did lose to Hawaii, aside from the fact that they didn't have their head coach for all of fall camp and then had to play a zero week game, Fair. was Cole McDonald. Yeah. He, this kid can play. He's an athlete. He kind of came to back to life a little bit in the yep. second half of the season. Yep. They they scouted back him. Back to earth, you mean? Er, excuse me. Yes. Back to earth. He was uh, always alive. He was always alive, yes. as far as we know. <laughs> but um, he's an, he's just a great athlete. He reminds me, honestly, yeah. a little bit of Steven Montez. The way he plays, mm. he's a guy who likes to run around and sling it. He, he's a guy who, if he can get you out of Big position, QB. is going to try and hit that deep ball. Yeah. I, I could see Hawaii winning this game, especially if they get off to a hot start. And You're are taking able to, the Rainbow Warriors at home, huh? I'm taking them. I don't believe in Khalil Tate. Wow. I think he's a great athlete. Uh, yeah, you think? Obviously. Uh, and the he's found that unbelievable. Out as well. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yes. Settle down with that. <laughs> um, what's interesting I got to get him in while I can, man. Arizona-Hawaii is the better quarterback matchup than Miami-Florida. Significantly. If you ask me. Not my, like... Neither I'm one of them are pro Miami style guys. of but. Florida to differentiate from Miami of Ohio. I'm saying Miami against Florida, yeah. um, which is wild. Like two blue bloods in maybe the hottest recruiting state in the land have lesser quarterbacks than Arizona and Hawaii do. Well, think about it. When was who was the last, you know, Pro Bowl or, you know, all pro caliber quarterback that came out of a blue blood school? Because it's uh, really it's been a while in the modern. I mean, it, I mean yeah. they happen. I'm not saying that. It's, yeah. But I mean, even look at a, we talked about Patrick Mahomes a second ago. He's out of Texas Tech. That's not I mean, you're a big 12 school. I mean, all the hot quarterbacks are from Texas Tech. I don't know if you knew that. It's true. So, yeah. yeah. Oklahoma, some would say a blue blood. So they've, they've that's produced fair. That's the fair. last Baker two. Mayfield. Yeah. OK, Baker that's Mayfield. fair. You know, Tom fair. Brady did go to Michigan. I've never heard that. Pey- Peyton Manning did go to Tennessee. These are blue bloods. Uh, but we're uh, going. But I mean, I, we're going Brady and Manning. Yeah, we're going no. back twenty years. I get. Now. I get. You know, Drew Brees went to. Oh, never mind. Purdue, not Purdue, a blue blood. Not a blue blood. Um, I'm taking Arizona. I think Sumlin in year two is going to be uh, going to do some things. But I, I mean, 
Now, Arizona's favored by 11. I would take Hawaii with the points. That's an 11-point spread in Hawaii? I don't. I wouldn't touch that if I – yeah. I'm going Arizona. Hey, I, it's the smarter pick. Arizona's is. the better football team. I'm not Ex- – Exactly. Like The I'm, reason, you know, if you lean towards Hawaii, it's more – it's a zero-week game. You got to count on the five-hour commute to the island. It's a brutal place to play as a road team because you spend five hours on a plane. You get out, you do your walkthrough and everything. You play the game, and then you're back on a plane again. Yeah, and I just feel weird picking against a team because of the flight. You know, no, that's fair. Like, that's certainly fair. They have the talent. Maybe they mismanage how they go about this trip. I'm gonna bet that they know how to deal with it and hope. You would hope well. so. I'm high on Khalil Tate, mostly because I've watched what he did to the Buffs. And, like, they have, I mean, J.J. Taylor returning first-team All-Pac-12 running back. They have. I forgot Taylor's coming back. Yeah. All right. My pick doesn't sound so great anymore. <laughs> I'm leaning with, I'm going to stick with it because I'm a man of principle. Don't want to flip-flop, but uh, that's a good point. Yeah. Four starters back on the offensive line. Let's have some dudes on defense. Four starters with like, Khalil, I mean, that's... My goodness, that's, yeah. That's appealing. It's really Especially appealing. in a league that doesn't play a lot of defense, historically. Fair. Neither Fair. does the Mountain West. That wasn't a shot. That was just Pac-12 offenses. It's kind of like the Big 12 the last couple of years. It's just both teams are throwing 30 on the board. All right. That's all we've got for you today. Oh, Dre's looking at me like it's not. No, Dre, no, what do you have to say? It's okay. Come it's on, okay. don't say it. I was just going to say, it. I mean, then you've got someone, you know, who didn't have much time. He's going to have a whole year. You, Justin, were talking about how Hawaii's lost some wide receivers, so that's going to hurt their aerial attack. Still, they're not 14 points better than Hawaii, and they're not 11 points better in Hawaii. Just saying that. So, okay. Yeah, All go right. ahead. Okay, we can finish this. Okay. <laughs> um, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. If you want, oh, I forgot to say, we do have some comments. We're going to get those tomorrow. Most notably, I uh, did not include Tony Brown yesterday. Whoops. I talked to him a couple days ago, and I have some interesting things I had all planned out in my notes to tell you guys about him. We'll talk about that tomorrow. We'll talk about other stuff tomorrow. Do you want to do a little plug too, Justin? Yeah, we'll be back tomorrow. I'm going to be talking about, I get a chance to talk with some defensive players tomorrow. I want to really break down like how they're going to approach CU uh, we got to talk to Colin a little bit today, but it was just so loud. I couldn't really yeah. get a you know accurate game plan from them. Not that they're going to give us great details, yeah. anyways. But you know we're just we're a week from the showdown tomorrow. It's time to really start honing in on it the is. Rocky Mountain Showdown. It is. And Buffs just released their first depth chart. We'll break that down. Uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, do that. You can comment on the podcast uh, and whatever else you want to comment on. Really, you get to read all the stuff. Uh, use promo code SCOBUFFS, S-K-O-B-U-F-F-S, for $10 off. That makes it $34.99 for a year-long subscription, and you get a free shirt. Or go Rams, if you're educated. Oh! Just whoa. kidding. I'm kidding. Dre, We're just having some fun. Who's winning the subscriptions right now? Do you know? I'm not off the top of my head. Last we checked, it was the Buffs. But, you know, uh, Rams need to pick it up, and I think Rams still have the T-shirt lead. So there you go. Shout out to everyone that's already bought a t-shirt. Super dope. I actually got mine today. Mm. As Henry said, check us out. Subscribe. Check out those t-shirts. We'll be back. We'll be back together sometime next week. Thanks for riding with us. We'll see you separately tomorrow. Bye, guys.